0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 20 of the Tucson Hockey Podcast. As always, we are brought to you by Altitude Home Loans and our good friend, Danny Plattner. Please look for him for any of your mortgage or refinance needs. Coach Daniel, our guest today, as well as myself, have used him in the past for both a new mortgage and a refinance, and he's got the lowest rates I've seen, and even my title agent said that it was the lowest rate they had seen, and you know they know. So please visit our friend Danny Plattner at dannyplattner.com or at 520-241-1428. He is a vice president and senior loan officer with Altitude Home Loans, and they are an equal housing lender. All right, episode 20. So Coach Daniel Lusher joins us today, part of the Tucson High School Roadrunner coaching staff, along with myself and some various other nefarious characters. Coach Dan, good to see you today.
1: Coach Ryan, how you doing? Glad to good. be here.
0: Yeah, we're broadcasting today uh, from the surface of the sun here in Tucson, Arizona.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a balmy hundred six hundred seven today.
0: I I I just got done playing inline; it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm not a fan. So by um, you know, we did it. We did the preview episode last year before the cup, and our our analysis was so insightful and it was so entertaining that absolutely nobody asked for an encore. But you know, we're gonna do it anyway.
1: Yeah, that's what I like to hear. We do it for the fans.
0: Absolutely nobody asked for it. All right, so Tampa-Montreal. So before we get to the actual matchup, let's talk about this. Are you still thinking about the format, the timing, the short schedule, the way they chopped up the divisions for the playoffs, or are you just watching it and consuming it like you do any other year?
1: Uh, for the most part, I've just been watching it when I can. Um, it, it didn't really bother me past the first round. That there was a different schedule or different division or anything like that. The matches, the matchups were good matchups for the most part, and it was just enjoyable playoff hockey. I
0: saw a topic on the athletic about the expansion of the NHL playoffs because you have teams like Montreal, and I still I I agree with you. I'm going to say no, but is it something that you entertain? Like maybe there are some teams on the outside that could go on a run because the parity in the NHL is so good.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm still. Uh, Uh, on this side that the regular season matters. And if you continue to open up the playoffs, then you know the the top half of the league makes the playoffs. That's it. Why do we need to expand past that? So 16 teams out of 32 next season will make the playoffs. I don't get the point of having a cutoff at that point if you want to keep on opening it up.
0: You don't want to do like dodgeball rules. You just have to win a regional qualifier against uh, the Girl Scout troop or just be good friends with the dodgeball (laughs) (laughs) canceler.
1: No, I'm good. Uh, Patches O'Houlehad might be mad at me for that, but...
0: <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's right. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the roster creation because this was a big thing for Tampa going from 2019 to 2020 were some of the tweaks they made. They pick up Blake Coleman. They trade first-round picks for Barkley Goudreau. This year, they trade first-round picks for David Savard. I let me ask you, do you think Tampa has a better team this
1: year or last year? I absolutely think they have a better team this year. I think it shows in uh, the depth that they have. I think it shows in the amount of money that's being paid for them to play the game. Uh, I don't want to get too upset over the you know, cap scenario that we see ourselves in. I, I will say off the bat that they followed the league's rules uh, as they are set down. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. Uh they they followed it. I wish uh my team could have done the same thing or uh, just like every other fan base fan base thinks their team should do. But it is tough watching a uh a team that you know is nearly 25% over the cap more than any other team. So
0: I mean, they tried to give Tyler Johnson away. Yeah, they tried. They tried. I, I still don't know why teams didn't sign him. This is a good player that you can have on your roster at a reasonable contract for how could he, good he can be if he's in your
1: top 6. They didn't take him because that would be helping out another team in the NHL, which all GMs are not going to do. Right. So you've got this coming offseason for whatever happens in the in the the finals. Tampa is going to be under a lot of pressure to find some creative way to get out from under their cap. So if Detroit comes in and says, yeah, I'll take your next two first round picks for Tyler Johnson. Otherwise, feel free to hold on to him or find something else. And so, just to close the loop on this, so you're telling me that the
0: Vegas Golden Knights wouldn't have been better off trying to squeeze in Tyler Johnson to place center as their second line center when they had so much trouble with their center depth?
1: Yeah, but I also don't think they wanted to be much better than, than they were. Ooh. So.
0: I mean, that, well, look, I mean, Petrangelo was really good. Martinez is really good. I mean, Shea Theodore, I, they just had trouble scoring goals against Montreal. I mean, you give Carey Price all that money for a reason. The, you know, he's going to be healthy some years, maybe not every year, but when he's healthy, he takes down your degree of difficulty.
1: Yeah. They wanted, they wanted to give their money to, to Alex Petrangelo though. And that's the route they decided to go. You know, they had somebody who's a proven Stanley cup champion, uh, uh, captain of that team, and they said that's our guy. And once they did that, they, you know, they didn't have the space.
0: And how about a shout out for, um, the unselfishness off the ice of some of these Tampa Bay players who've taken a lot less money to stay in the saddle there. I mean, my goodness. So if you look at cap friendly, like I am doing right now, Stamkos took a discount at the time of eight point five million. Now again, no state income tax in Florida is a big thing. Braden Point, six, seven, five, is almost criminal. Even Pilot at 5'3 is a bargain. Gord's a bargain at five and change. Tyler Johnson at five million. Again, he might not seem like it's a bargain, but this is a top six guy who's a bottom six guy on a really good team. And then Anthony Sorelli makes four point eight million dollars, which is less than a lot of really substandard hockey players in the national hockey.
1: Yeah, they did a. They've they've got a lot of really good players. Um, and unfortunately for them, when you have a five million dollar guy on your third line, you're gonna have cap problems. So, you know, it is what it is. They put together a really, really, really good team, and it shows in the depth through lines three through four, or lines three and four added on to what you have with Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, Kucherov, all that on the top two lines. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting watching what they do to. To mess around with their situation this summer. What do we call the
0: Kucherov situation? Is it salary cap treachery? <laughs>
1: it's not circumvention, although that's the word that I want to use. Uh, it's uh, creative loopholing, I'll call it.
0: Th- there's a you know there's a saying in white collar crime that <laughs> tax evasion is a crime, tax avoidance is an art. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. We'll put we'll put. Uh, <laughs> We'll put the Tampa brass in that category of avoidance. Yeah, like I said, you know, hey, look, that's the thing about the salary cap is you know you've kind of it's meant to punish good teams to make sure that every other team has a shot of being good as well.
1: Yeah, it's it enforces the parity in the league, and uh, Tampa found a way to push that one more year. So good for them. It's frustrating to watch as as a fan of other teams. Uh, It doesn't matter to me too much because my team's nowhere near playing them. So. But I can't imagine, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens after the Stanley Cup final. So say Montreal gets beat, which I expect they will, and we'll get into that later. How much difference is the Canadian media going to make out of it than, you know, Tampa playing Dallas for the for the Stanley Cup final or something like that? Are, so, you,
0: are you saying the Canadian media is somewhat slanted or biased toward Canadian teams?
1: I would never. I'm just very strongly hinting at it.
0: Well, as someone who had to watch a lot of Toronto broadcasts when he went to school at Niagara University in Niagara Falls, New York, uh, Matt Sundin was equivalent to Mario Lemieux, according to the Toronto media. So take that for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. So like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see what the NHL does under the pressure of uh, Montreal and other Canadian media markets if Tampa does come out and makes makes the decision makes this a quick series i it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, as a small aside i think vegas
0: is going to be the one that gets jack eichel I, I think they've seen what they need and they need they need a guy like that who can win you two games in a seven game series by going two and one or two and two in a tight two to one three to one three to two four to three game and being a consistent threat in overtime with just what they the physicality that he brings at the center position and i know they can move some contracts to try and get that cap space taken care of so that to me that's my dark horse because they've been looking for a guy like eichel since they came into the league and now he's up for grabs
1: yeah i'm i'm not gonna toot my own horn but if i remember correctly from our season preview i think i said that the only thing holding uh vegas back from you know their cup run the last previous year was the fact that they didn't have an elite number one center along the lines of a McKinnon, or a Kopitar, or somebody like that, and it sure showed as soon as Stevenson went out. Who I don't consider Stevenson a uh, uh, elite number one center, but solid three, yeah, solid line three. two, uh, solid three, bottom bottom line two. He's just got a lot of speed, and that plays to Patchetti and Stone strengths, but. I don't know with with a guy like Eichel, then you've got a lot of depth uh, and you've got somebody who could just take over a game. And Stone and Pacioretty had trouble doing that from the wing. And uh, Stevenson isn't going to be a guy that does that for you. So
0: I actually have some judges here, like from Jeopardy and Family Feud judges. Was Coach Dan tooting his own to- horn? I'm sorry, they've ruled that you
1: did. You were tooting your own horn there, Coach. Yeah, right? I, I, was, I was absolutely doing it. I, right, so there, go, I got a lot of stuff right on that
0: one. Go ahead and give yourself a little shoulder pat here. <laughs> and let's, let's talk about the job Mark Bergevin did building the Montreal Canadiens because it's not like his high draft picks have exactly hit and set the world on fire. Now, a lot of people missed the bus on Cole Caulfield, but I feel like he was in the top 10 in a lot of mocks. And I feel like right toward the end, some teams like, I don't know, Buffalo or in the it right at the end of the top ten, although we still should have drafted Marco Rossi, but um, you know, that'll be my one man podcast later on in life. And that, boy, you're like, this kid gets to the middle of the ice and he scores goals from NHL places, and he's always done that as a player, and he's got a unique shot and a unique skill set. And of course he's scoring big goals and making big plays because that's what he's been doing his whole life in high pressure situations. But it's not like Suzuki and Kakaniemi, who are two high center picks, have been lighting the world on fire. But the one thing he did, and to quote an 80s movie, which I, you know, I love to do, I mean, Mark Bergevin was all the right moves. So if you take a look at his trades from this season, even going back in the last offseason a little bit, it's like, okay, Max Domi isn't working. Let's take the flyer on Anderson. Not that it, wasn't, it was never a question of if Josh Anderson can play or not. It's can he be healthy? And at least for this year, he is. Everybody knows, and I, I know this watching a lot of Columbus like I do, when healthy Josh Anderson is a number one right winger, prototype power forward. And it's, okay, Tyler Toffoli's out there. Let's go get him. We need a good, capable backup to get through the regular season. All right, let's trade a third and a seventh for Jake Allen. It's like, okay. What else do we need? We need depth on the blue line. Hey, Joel Edmondson is a guy that can be had. This is a guy with a cup ring, and he's still got some game left in him. Let's get him. And then the season starts. And then what do we need? We need a little more center depth. We need a little bit more maybe playoff moxie, and we need some blue line depth. It's like, okay, let's pay a premium for a guy who stinks, and Eric Stahl. And (laughs) we just know, much like Corey Perry, and much like we've seen in some other cup teams, that we need, we need this guy come playoff time. And that brings me to another thing I want to talk about was in the Canadian division, they got off to such a good start. It was like, they're going to get in. So I think Mark Bergerman was able to not say, what do I need to get this team into the playoffs? But, hey, we're going to make it. What are some of the moves I can make for depth that I know I'm going to need yeah. in the playoffs? So you get an Eric Stahl, who maybe doesn't play every night. You get a John Merrill. You get an Eric Gustafson. And all of a sudden now, you did a little bit like Tampa did and make sure that your 7th and 8th defensemen can play, make sure your 14th, 15th, and 16th forwards can play. And you add it with the kids that have gotten all this game time in the last 18 months. I mean, think about it. Like They they went through the playing round. They went through Pittsburgh. I mean, they got to play a good number of games last year in the bubble and a short regular season after a short offseason a lot of games in there and now a lot of playoff games. So really, you've seen these kids jump to another level. You add that in with the savvy moves of Mark Bergevin. And of course, most importantly is when Carey Price is healthy, he's still Carey Price. I think everybody forgets that because he made the money. But it's like, oh, right. This guy is an absolute difference maker. And that's why he's been as anointed as any goalie that we've had in the last 15 years.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's really good roster building by by Bergevin. Uh, A lot of the people that you say that they brought in all have all helped out. I mean, the lowest games played I think out of a couple of those is John Merrill, and he's still played, you know, 10 playoff games this just this year. So he hasn't played all of them, but they've got but he's contributing, especially if somebody's injured or on in the protocols and stuff like that. Uh, Eric Stahl's a good you know third fourth line player that'll help out with Corey Perry and they've been doing really well um and then they basically he just addressed needs and it's very reminiscent of the way tampa bay went about it last year uh they weren't the star players they weren't the the you know high profile trades or anything like that they're just guys that you need come playoff time and it's paid dividends uh i'm a little surprised i was yeah they came out really hot to start the season but Uh, man, it looked like they were falling off real fast. And they kind of just backed into the playoffs, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Um, But it shows that they've been able to come out of that. And we'll see what happens.
0: You want uh, a little bit more time for some Tyler Toffoli man crush corner? (laughs) Love
1: me some cupcakes. Uh, It's good to see him leading the team in scoring as uh, the playoffs go on. Uh, He and uh, Nick Suzuki, I believe, are the two leading point scorers for them uh tyler right ahead of him with five goals nine assists 14 points in uh the 17 games so it's good to see him do well i love watching uh x kings play and you know have success i I don't hold it against anybody uh for going and finding success success with a different team so watching him wa- watching martinez battle each other out and then the the handshake line at the end of that series it's awesome so
0: and no cup final is complete without some Buffalo Saber castoffs. We have Yoel Armia, Eric Stahl, Byron. I mean, these were all Sabres property at some point. Although boy, um, after the first COVID break for the Sabres, Stahl was like, you know, I'm I'm you know, he he's a competitor, but even so, he was like, Eichel's not healthy, Hall doesn't want to skate, you know, between the dots at all for the squad. Uh, let me just buy my time and I'll go
1: somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I never saw anybody get in the taxi as fast as Eric Stahl got in that taxi. Uh, the joke that I've heard is he didn't even know where he was being traded to. He just got in the taxi and started going.
0: They were like, we're trading you to the Minnesota Lynx of the WNBA. Cool. I'm Peace. out.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun to see that happen. So
0: so let's diagnose the road that these teams have taken to the finals. So you're Montreal. You're down 3-1 to one to Toronto going into Game 5. Now Toronto's missing John Tavares, which is a big, big deal. You're in overtime of Game 5, as I recall. I mean, they're that close to being bounced. And then they go on a run. The Leafs don't seem to score enough playoff-type goals, especially without John Tavares. And then you go into Round 2. You clip Winnipeg in Game 1. And then Shifley gets himself banned for what turns out to be the rest of the series. And so Winnipeg without Shifley is a whole different animal and they get swept. Then you go into the Vegas Golden Knights series with them having a tough six-gamer with Colorado, and Vegas just... Boy, that Marc-Andre Fleury play, though, I think that's what's going to stick out, is is that change, the entire momentum of that series. Because watching that game, Vegas needed to send... or I'm sorry, Montreal needed to send a postcard to the Vegas end to get sustained pressure, because that's how far away from it they were. And they get a cough-up on what should be one pass in the other way again and the series is entirely different
1: yeah it's i don't want to say it's a trademark of Flurries, but it seems like almost every year there's at least one one goal that you, you, shouldn't YouTube, have gotten in
0: you the 2004 world junior championships kids yeah
1: yep. if, if I you mean that. it just now, seems now
0: i don't i don't want i don't want to i don't want to do that to mark andre flurry because man as a guy my age was he good this year
1: oh he had a phenomenal season uh, who do, you, who do you
0: keep if you're Vegas? Do you keep him or Leonard? It's still probably Leonard because he's younger, yeah, right? But yeah, it's Leonard. All right, well, it's Leonard. Well, Mark Andre Fleury coming to a crease near you in the maybe the Metro Pacific Northwest here.
1: <laughs> oh man, the only person to be part of two expansion teams in NHL history. Uh, I doubt it, though. You I can don't do a think lot they, worse. I, someone's going
0: to someone's going to get him back. Pittsburgh needs to trade for Pittsburgh needs to find some cap space and bring him home.
1: I would think so. Let him retire there in a year or two.
0: All right, so we've gone we've gone off on a tangent a little bit. Let's get back to the Montreal Canadiens, but it's they played in maybe a weaker division, may, had a big break for Vancouver for COVID, got off to a good start. Calgary can never really get momentum going. It was the only division with seven teams. Calgary couldn't get going. Ottawa's not good. Vancouver was torpedoed by COVID and wasn't playing great hockey before that. So I mean, they were kind of in, and the cynic in me says that they've had the easiest road to the cup that I can remember. Talk me out of it if you want to, or jump on the
1: bandwagon. No, it's still a difficult road. I mean, Toronto's a good team, despite the fact that they just shoot themselves in the foot every year in the first round. Um, so that takes, that takes guts. That takes heart. I still think Vegas is a difficult out. Uh, Winnipeg, I think might've been the easiest series, especially with Shifley gone, which that's a, another matter. I'm not necessarily sure. I agree with the four game suspension there, but um, once once you take away that first-line center, Winnipeg doesn't have much. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois should have stepped up. He didn't. So I, I agree that that series was pretty easy. Uh, getting through the season, yeah, I, I'm going to say that that was the worst division. I, I, everybody wants to point to, them, well, they made it to the cup finals. and I'll just point back to, well, anything can happen in the playoffs. It doesn't stop the fact that that division was terrible all season long. Uh, regardless of which team, the defense, the goaltending... Chances against all all that every night was just a lot of fun for people to watch, to put it politically correct. So,
0: I'm with you. And who would win in a seven game series between Dallas last year and Montreal this year? I still think Dallas. I, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, when you, yes, they beat Vegas at full strength. But they needed, they needed some help to do so and got it. But they, they certainly earned it. They beat them in six. They outlasted them. They were, I, I think, their younger legs. I, I don't think that was something that Vegas was expecting. They expected it with Colorado. And then the kids from Montreal kind of took another step. And I don't think they were able to, after the flurry gaff kind of get grips on some of the line changes that Ducharme and Richardson were making, mixing up the kids with the vets. It just seemed like Vegas was a little bit, it, it took them a little while to adjust to the kinds of forecheck and the kind of mix that they were getting from guys like Perry, who, you know, he walked the puck up like we do in roller hockey and in the zone a lot of times. And then kids like Caulfield, Suzuki, Kakaniemi, even Lekkanen still being a young player, as, you know, we're going to run four lines that are kind of similar at you which is not something that Vegas was used to and really helps you as, as you get to games five, six and seven in a series.
1: Yeah. I mean, the NHL is constantly becoming a young man's game is, is what it seems like it's going towards, right? Your entry level contracts that outperform are worth their weight in gold. And I mean, that's not a lot of gold or not a lot of gold in Cole Caulfield's case, but it's still worth a lot. So.
0: And then. well, Kerry Price. Let's have our Kerry Price discussion here. Um, kind of Tuukka ish in why doesn't anyone ever talk about this guy when their teams go places? They're the number one reason their teams go places. I mean, despite what you can say about Boston's top line, like they they almost won the Cup two years ago. They should have lost to Columbus if not for Tuukka Rask.
1: See, I don't think that Kerry Price isn't getting his due. I think everybody realizes that he's the reason they are where they are. Uh, at least that's what it seems like. Every time I turn on the TV, it's talking about Carey Price, and it's talking about the fact that Cole Caulfield is playing really well. So I I enjoy the fact that Carey's getting what at least what I think he deserves, and it, that's my interpretation of what's being said. Um, I agree with you that Tuca doesn't get enough recognition because of the perfect or the perfection line, but uh, I believe from what I've seen, everybody thinks that uh, Carey Price is the reason why they are where they are.
0: A lot of hardware for Carey Price. I think he's got a I think he's got a Calder Cup as a youngster i he's he's got some gold medals uh at really every level of competition including the 2014 olympics perhaps the greatest assembly of talent we've had
1: yeah they beat uh or that that team was just absurd and i want to say it was a goalie off for for canada versus u.s but the reality is uh it didn't seem like the U.S. got really any chances when it was coming to play against Canada or go, you know, to get against Carey Price. It was I a one-one nothing game. Stast- it was a one nothing. nothing
0: game. It was one nothing game. It was the the, the Jamie Ben bounce off his shaft went in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Paul Stastny had a good chance in that game. Yeah, there was some stuff on the outside, but I wouldn't call Canada being extremely high danger either. Yeah, they were the better team, but I mean, <laughs> someone ne- someone just needed a bounce, and Canada got it in that game. That's that's what I'm chalking it up to. So, here we go. Tampa, Montreal. Uh, whose legacy is on the line the most for each squad? It seems like an easy answer for Montreal, but maybe we can debate on it a little
1: bit. Well, let's hear what you think it is first.
0: It's Carey Price, but the contrarian in me wants to say Mark Bergevin.
1: See, my my first thought was going to be Mark Bergevin, but I, I think you're right with Carey Price. But... I mean, Bergevin already got a new contract renewed for the next few years. Um, it seems like all he needs to do is make the playoffs to get that team in or to get a contract. So, well, look, and you, I mean, you want
0: to win the Stanley cup in the NHL. The number one thing you have to do is you have to keep showing up in the playoffs and they've, they've now done that twice, right? Yeah. Or did they
1: you, have they made it three years? Well, I,
0: I think the year before last they were in, uh, they didn't make it the last full season. I don't believe, but, You know, even a guy like Kerry Price, he's been in the playoffs a lot over the last decade. Like they've gotten there, and then sometimes stuff just bounces your way. I would say stuff has bounced their way this year, but that's that's it. You gotta you gotta keep showing up. You gotta show up to the dance if you want to win. You gotta keep showing up.
1: Yep, and I I think he lasted long enough to see his uh, young studs come up and be difference makers. So is Shea Weber third on your list? Oh, that's a good that's a good option. Yeah, yeah, I'd say he'd be third. So
0: now uh, it might also be an easy answer for Tampa Bay, whose legacy is on the line the most. There,
1: uh, Stamkos. Yeah, it's the, I first, mean, it's it's Stamko, the first it's, he's, He
0: wasn't. I mean, he scored a goal last year in the in the in the in the championship, but yeah, he got he's a ring. All playoffs. So, I think he's the one that's really brought the hunger back to this squad.
1: Yep, I agree completely uh, with him missing out. Uh, you, you would being a hockey player, you know that that would kill you sitting and watching your team win a Stanley cup. Yeah. Your name's on it, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being there. It's not the same as, you know, shift in, shift out being on the bench with the guys. So this year's different for him. I guarantee it.
0: And a, and a not hundred percent Kucherov. I mean, Stamkos is, he, he's going to be the guy. He's got to score some power play goals in the series. Um, I'm with you on that. So let me ask you again. We had this question last year. Who's the best player in this series? I'm not talking about who's going to win the Consmite. I'm saying who's the best hockey player in this series? Braden Point. Uh, I'm, I'm going to agree with you again. I, I, I thought he should have won uh, the Consmite last year. Not that there's anything wrong with the headman pick. He was extremely strong, too. And he's, boy, I mean, like, you talk about goal prevention. This is a Tampa team that they've evolved their playoff game to not give up goals. Yep. They, they learned in the Columbus series a couple of years ago that we can't just outgun everybody. We gotta, we gotta win the two-to-one games. We gotta make sure we lock it down and that we can win. We, we know we're gonna win with three and we're confident we can win with two just because that's how it goes in the playoffs sometimes, especially when you play teams like the Islanders and Montreal. So let me, let me put it to you another way. Tampa has beaten three teams. Florida, Carolina, the Islanders. Does Montreal beat any of them in a seven game series?
1: Uh, We didn't think they would beat Vegas and we didn't think they would beat Toronto and they showed they did, you know? So, I mean, it's a good, what if Florida's really good. Florida's really good. They They were actually my dark horse to, to win the cup this year. I thought if they could jump on Tampa with Stamkos and Kucherov, just getting back on, you know, Just getting back on the ice. I thought if they could get up two games, then they'd hold off, and I thought they would go on a run. So I was disappointed to watch them go out in the first round.
0: I mean, that's a prime example. That's a cup caliber roster. It's just you gotta keep showing up. You can't do the thing where you show up once a decade. Carolina has learned that lesson. Carolina has now shown up to the playoffs in a couple of years. Colorado has now shown up to the playoffs a couple of years. They need to understand that they need to keep showing up and one year. It'll be their year. Florida is now starting that journey a couple of yeah. years behind Carolina and Florida.
1: Yeah. The only difference is Q's got to play Spencer Knight for the rest of the, the rest of his career. You just can't play. You can't play Dredger and you can't play Bobrovsky in the playoffs.
0: What's the worst contract at this point, Bobrovsky or Jeff Skinner?
1: Bobrovsky. Oh, that's a hot team, yeah. coach.
0: Yeah. Because Skinner yeah, can is. at least play and Bobrovsky shouldn't uh, play at all.
1: Because the uh, the goaltending position is a lot more important in the playoffs, and when you're getting paid ten million, you're expected to play. Like a corollary and to
0: another sport, you get that NFL rookie contract as yep. your signature caller. You're in business.
1: Yep, yep. So you now, get, you get uh, an
0: ELC or a second contract of a goalie who's
1: elite. And no, no offense to to your Buffalo Sabers, but that the Bobrovsky contract is going to hurt the Panthers more because they're a playoff team than the Skinner contract will hurt the Buffalo Sabers right now because. They're not a playoff team. So who knows? It might even help you get the uh the writer Bedard series or sweep stakes in the next two years.
0: I'm with you. I, I, Florida I can't disagree doesn't have that with you. chance. I can't disagree with you. But anyway, I mean, yes, Florida. Very good. Carolina. Very good. Had trouble scoring goals. But for that one game against mm-hmm. Tampa game four, I believe it was. They had a shootout. Those are two to one games. And then. Tampa gets to sharpen their skills in a tight-checking two-to-one type series every game against the team that does it better than almost everybody else, the New York Islanders. I mean, Montreal seems kind of similar to the Islanders, but the Islanders, I think, do it better than Montreal a little bit. Maybe they don't have the star power and goalie, but that's how Montreal was able to outlast Vegas was really goal suppression, elite goaltending, and timely scoring from different lines. Yeah.
1: And I think the you you hinted on it. And I think that's how Montreal ends up beating Tampa. If they do, their goaltending's better than the Islanders. Other than that, pretty similar game. Uh, and since the Islanders only lost, you know, a couple of one-goal games besides the eight-to-nothing blowout, uh, if any of those go a different way, or they get a different bounce, or whatever it might be, uh, then you know, Tampa's at home they still just barely won in seven. So, and they won a one, nothing game.
0: I mean, game, uh, well, I mean, game seven, you talk about, it almost seemed like the teams switched uniforms and that Tampa was like, you're not going anywhere
1: yeah. at any place on the ice with us on it. Yep. I agree. It was interesting hockey to watch. Uh, you know, the, the hockey fan in me was hoping for a Vegas Tampa series. Cause I just thought it'd be so fast. Um, I was dreading an Islanders Montreal series because I think it's going to be slow. It'll be interesting to see how the two styles play against each other in in a seven game series. I mean, let's get to the predictions. It's, it's just Tampa's a lot better and
0: they're extremely battle tested over the last couple of years. Is there what's if you had to put a percentage on it, what's the percentage that Montreal wins this series? Is it, 33% is it 40% Uh, uh, one in four, 25%. If you you play it 10 times, you think they win three, four less two, two and a half. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All right. So let's, let's let's get to the brass tacks here, coach. Put your prediction on the board and your con Smythe winner.
1: All right. I'll call Tampa in five. I want to give it six. I just don't see Montreal winning a game in Tampa Bay uh i think they pull one out at home and other than that i think tampa locks it down so uh i'll go with uh tampa bay in five and i'm gonna make a uh gutsy call and say that they're very close games and as a result this is one of the few years you see a uh a different team remember getting a uh, or the losing team get the consmith. I think Carey Price gets the consmith.
0: Oh, that is bold. You know, much like last year when you took Tampa in five and I took Tampa in six. I, I tend to agree with you, but I'll take Tampa in six again. Just to try and keep my streak. And I'm going to go with Braden Point for the consmith. I, I think a Tampa win. And as long as he shows up a little bit. Much like kind of Hedman had the inside track on it before the cup. And played well enough not to dissuade anyone from finishing that vote. I think points in the poll position now, and I'd I think surprised. he's gonna get it.
1: I'd be surprised if Kucherov wasn't in the poll position leading the playoffs. I just um, think
0: I just think he's I, I think he's a little banged up. I think you're going to see more out of point. I agree. Than Him in I, the, think, in the, I think I think point will be the
1: more impactful player over the series, uh, just like I think he was last year. Uh, but again, it's sometimes the uh, the awards don't go necessarily to the more impactful player, but the more flashy player. So we'll see. I I think Kucherov gets it if it's Tampa, uh, if it goes to Tampa anyway. But like I said, if, if Carey Price can make a series out of it and it goes six or it goes seven, even though I think Tampa still wins, I think Carey Price gets the, gets the Smythe.
0: So Montreal fans, and we have some, uh, I don't know if Izzy or Lou listen to the podcast, but I know we have some out there. What's the future look like for Montreal? Can Kotkaniemi and Suzuki actually take the leap and be one and two down the center on a legitimate cup contending team that shows up every year in the playoffs?
1: That's a that's a good question, because I we haven't even mentioned his name yet, but Philip Deneau has had a great, great playoffs. And I'm not talking necessarily points or anything like that, because he hasn't had a lot of points. But man, he has been out there against the top centers, taking key faceoffs the entire playoff series. And you lose that two-way shutdown guy, because I expect they'll probably lose him over the off season, and I don't think and has got that level of play or that two way play. So, yeah, somebody will be gonna paid to know. I don't think he's yeah. getting on the roster. Yeah, so uh, they're going to have to hope Kakaniami plays number two. But I don't think they're going to be as good down the middle as they are this summer.
0: What's Cole Caulfield's future, is he a 25-30 goal guy, or is he a 35-45 goal guy because of what he can do on the power play?
1: I'll say 25-35. Um, he has proven me wrong, and, and I root for small players. Uh, you know me, I'm a five foot six hockey player, so I love seeing small players succeed. I had my questions in his ability to find open ice over the course of an NHL season on five-on-five. On five. And it kind of showed in the regular season because two of his, or his first two goals were overtime winners when it's three on three and there's a lot more space. Um, but he's shown over the playoffs that he's been able to get open. Um, I think there's a little bit too much hype regarding him. And I think the part of that is the fact that it's the Canadian media again, because I look at his production. Uh, over 15 games and he's played well again I, I like to root for players like this but he's got four goals five assists for nine points in 15 games and i can't help but think what if that was steven Stamkos getting four goals the guy that you expect to be a premier goal scorer in the playoffs in the regular season if he only had four goals through the first three rounds people would be burying him but everything we hear about Cole Caulfield is he's the next coming and I don't see, I think he'll score. Uh, I think he'll put in 20, 25, 35, maybe at a, at a, you know, a peak year, but until he proves it in a full 82 game season, then I'll be a little bit of a doubter, unfortunately.
0: And the decor for them is kind of aging. Uh, uh-huh. Did they make the playoff next year in the Atlantic?
1: I don't think so. They barely made the playoffs in the worst division we've seen since pre uh, San Jose expansion or Atlanta Thrashers expansion.
0: Yeah, since Atlanta won the Southeast division once in like 2011. Well, I will say, you know, keep your chin up, Colorado, Florida, even Carolina. Like you're becoming what Tampa was like. You need to keep showing up. You need to learn your lessons. You, you know. You lose in the finals. You lose in the first round against a different kind of team, like because um, I know they're all big listeners. You know, Nathan McKinnon loves the podcast. I'm sure yeah. of it. Why wouldn't he? You know, just keep showing up, boys. Just keep I- showing up, and you learn your lesson. Florida got a great lesson about how to win in a playoff series. Play Spencer Knight. Well, <laughs> yeah, but even so, it was like you know, Tampa didn't panic. Always had an answer. Florida was always. All right, we're, we're playing this good firebrand hockey sometimes, but they couldn't lock it down when they needed to. And Tampa was like, "That's fine. We're going to be there at the end. We're not going to panic." Much like I remember your Kings team against the Rangers, where the Rangers were the team with the speed, and they were going and they took some leads. And LA was like, "No, no, no. We're cool. We'll be fine.
1: Keep playing our game. It'll, That's it'll go our way. You know, keep grinding them in. Keep throwing the pucks Pass their defense and get in some, you know, good checking and forechecking and turns games around." Just keep playing your game. That's the, that's right. The two the Tucson hockey way: pucks deep, pucks, pucks deep. in the net,
0: mentally tough. That's right. All right. Any other tidbits of wisdom you want to throw out before we get there? Are you taking Owen Power one? If oh, you're me,
1: boy, yes, I am. If
0: you're Kevin Adams, or if you're Kevin Adams, you're you're like, how do how how did I become an NHL GM? I was selling <laughs>
1: popcorn and
0: coaching youth hockey, like we were doing not too long ago.
1: That means we have hope someday. I'll, someday You'll be behind the bench of uh, or behind the office in in uh, Buffalo.
0: Last I checked, you and I aren't uh, hooked in with any billionaires, but it'd be very smart of them to hire you and I to run the front office there.
1: Yeah. Or here in Arizona. God knows they have their problems here. So (laughs) that's all right. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'd take on Power One. Uh, I I think the gap is too strong too uh too wide after that though it's anybody's game i have no idea who's going to i have no idea who's going eight for the kings i'm i'm i, I
0: just a little bit started i like i like dylan gunther I, I like the game there um now i wish i would have taken rossi and i, I kind of although you know the thing about jack quinn is like the ingredients are there i'm just not exactly sure what the finished product is going to look like Um, but we don't need to go off on draft tangents yet. Maybe we'll do that later on. Maybe we'll do some, some draft research. We'll do a draft preview with Max and Brad or something like that, but
1: yeah, they, they know probably a little bit more than I do about it, at least currently. Um, just a quick on Gunther. The only question I have on him is he was on a very dominant, dominant team. And, uh, can he keep up that success when you know, the teams are much more level across the across the league uh, as opposed to what it, what was, you know, one very good team and a bunch of lower teams.
0: I'm with you. Well, that's a podcast for another day and maybe we'll get there. All right. Second straight year. Stanley Cup preview. Guest coach, Daniel Lusher, special guest puppy dog. But no one can hear this. <laughs> Only you and I see each other. Only the audio goes up. Fuzzball, yep. Fuzzball Jr. joining the pod yep hi Nova. Alright, Coach Dan, the, you know, the off season's coming to a close. We're gonna get some ice here in, in uh August for the high school teams and some of the kids as well. And uh it, it'll be good to play some hockey again in the city of Tucson at the end of September. Yeah.
1: I just saw them send out the uh tryout schedule and stuff like that for the fourteen U, twelve U, and ten U. It's great.
0: I wonder who did that. <laughs> um
1: but here's the hoping the next time we have a podcast we have positive news regarding a rink
0: that's right if you're listening before june july 6th call your local county commissioner let them know we need this rink yep. all right we're wrapping up episode 20 daniel lusher was our guest stanley cup preview we'll see if we're right again as always tucson hockey podcast is brought to you by altitude home loans and danny platner visit him at dot Altitude Home Loans is an equal housing lender. All right, we will see you next time on the Tucson Hockey Podcast.